Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. This morning's lesson is entitled, Church Unity Creates the Community That We All Want. So let's get in our Bibles, Proverbs 28 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Proverbs 29, I'm sorry. Proverbs 29 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. With the new church plant, we have a lot of work that we want to get done for the Lord. And it is going to be, or it will be, an impossible task without unity. You have to be able to have unity. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18 says, 29, verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Where there's no vision, the people perish. Every local church, typically, well, every, uh, every new church plant, local church, has one pastor. That one pastor isn't the greatest American hero. He, he can't do everything. Um, there's one pastor that is supposed to help. He's supposed to lead. He's supposed to guide. He's supposed to help cast vision. But the whole body of Christ is needed to get things done and to be able to unite around common cause and common vision. That's how we build a local church family. That's how we build a local church community. It might be one pastor who has his family that starts a, a New Testament local church, but that local, that his family can't be that local church, although his family is part of the body of Christ and is part of the church. You see, we have to make this distinction. So we need to unite. We need to be committed first to a community-wide proclamation of the gospel. We have to be able to start there, unite around that. That's the saving news. That's the good news that we have. So we need a vision. Um, Proverbs 29, 1 Corinthians 1. If you know anything about the Bible, basics, you know that first, the church in 1 Corinthians had a lot of problems. Let's see if we can find the root cause. Let's start at verse number 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 10. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for ensamples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. And I am in the wrong chapter. I've got to bring my glasses because I am really hurting on these numbers. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's see what the root problem is. Let's start at verse number 10. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that y'all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, 
but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were ye baptized in the name of Paul? And then he goes on, and he lets them have it. What was the root cause that we see in the first chapter of 1 Corinthians? It was division. People divided. I am of this person. I am of that person. How did the division start? Preacher worship. Man-centered worship. And these men never desired it. One of the first things that I learned in Bible school from my pastor is that yeah. here's how this I am of Paul, I am of, of, of Cephas, I am of Apollos thing, it worked, plays out in our modern day Christianity. Someone gets hooked on a long distance preacher. Which happens to my preacher. <laughs> and he will tell you this. He doesn't want or desire or want any of this I am of brother so-and-so. But it happens. He doesn't desire it and he doesn't want it. Paul didn't desire it. Paul doesn't want it. But people follow what a man says. So they get hooked on a long distance preacher. They're in a local town where that long distance preacher doesn't live. They come to church. Divisions start. If the preacher they don't, if the preacher they sit under doesn't line up and preach exactly how their long distance guru preaches, and what happens? Divisions happen. Problems start. And it's nothing new. It might be applied differently, like the example I'm giving, the situation I'm giving, or any other type of situation where somebody gets too focused on one man. We can't do that. Divisions create. I read a lot of different books. I read a lot of different commentary. I read or I listen to a lot of different preaching and sermons. And I'm sure you do as well. Just because I listen to a preacher or read a book by a preacher or an author... That doesn't mean I have to subscribe to every single thing they say. I am not of that man. I am of Christ. And in like manner, I don't expect, nor do I require, nor do I want everyone to agree with every single thing that I say. Because if we start focusing on those things, division happens. Should we stand for truth? Yes. Should we want truth? Yes. You know, you've heard enough Bible teaching and preaching that I'm not one of these. Let's just gloss over everything and just make it about God's love and that's it and he forgives everybody. You know that that is not the message that we want to proclaim from the pulpit here at Pilgrim. 
But we can't be focused on I am of. We have to be focused on Christ. I am of Christ. What was the result in 1 Corinthians? They couldn't get together and remember the Lord's Supper. It was just a carnal flesh fest. The Lord's death on the cross for their sins, the opportunity to remember that just became an opportunity for their display of pride. Root cause was division because of IMO. As it plays out, they can't even get together and remember the most important thing. All because of division. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, let's go to. Who do you belong to? 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9. We, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. I thought we're supposed to all work together for God's glory. Rather than look for a reason to disagree. How come that doesn't happen more? I don't know. I don't know. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse number 9 pretty much tells us who we're supposed to be, who we belong to. And we need to get back to remembering that. Philippians gives us some good news, gives us more of a model. 1 Corinthians gives us the warning. It shows us what they did wasn't good. So an example by way of warning. Philippians chapter number 1. Let's start reading at verse number 12. But I would you should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel, so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. The one preach Christ of contention, not sincerely supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then? Notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and I therein do rejoice. Yea, and will rejoice. For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and my hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I what not. 
For I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. And having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all for your furtherance and joy of faith, that your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. Key verse 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Look at the respect in first chapter of Philippians. Look at the love, verse 17. But the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. Verse 18, look at the rejoicing. And therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. Verse number 25. Look, joy. All for your furtherance and joy of the faith. Verse number 26, look at it again. That your rejoicing may be more abundant. The key to what we just read, I want to key in on now, is that one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. How do we have unity in a church? Especially one that is brand new. We must be able to unite and strive together with one mind for the gospel. Now, does it end there? If it doesn't start there, it's going to end anyway. <laughs> and no, I'm not saying we throw out every other doctrine and we just stick with the gospel. But I am saying we do need to unite around that. We can't forget about that. And that is what we go out to preach. Lost people need to know the gospel. They don't need to understand dispensations. They don't under, need under, understand the difference between covenant theology. They don't need to understand end times or really throw them a curveball and give them a real nice long theological word of eschatology. They don't need to know any of that. They need to know that Christ died for their sins. We need to unite around that initially. And then as people get saved or as people want to come and visit church, now guess what we can do? Edify the saints by teaching them more truths of God's word. Now, when I say we need to unite around the gospel, that doesn't mean if someone brings up a question that you don't answer it. You give them God's word. You give them truth. But you're looking for ways to steer them back to how you're going to have your sins paid for. Someone asks you a sincere question. Give them a sincere answer. But don't forget, if they understand everything about fallen angels <laughs> and they still haven't trusted Christ as their Savior, where do they go? So we can't lose track of, yeah, give them truth. Answer their questions. Right? Compassion in your heart. But we have to be able to unite around steering them back to what's the most important thing. 
carnal division will stop God's work and it will hinder the effort. If you strive together, verse 27, one mind for the faith of the gospel, nothing can stop it. Philippians 1, if you back up and let's read verses 9. Let's see, this is where we should start. And this I pray. That's where we should start. And guess what the first thing that is prayed? That your love may abound yet more and in more knowledge and in all judgment. Every single Christian that's saved will attest to the fact that there isn't any problem with Christ's love. We all understand that He loved us enough to die for our sins. That's John 3.16. Everybody knows that verse. We don't have any problem with understanding that. But we do have a problem with our love abounding more. <laughs> we have a problem loving others. And Preacher, we love you until they don't love you. <laughs> yeah, we pray for you all the time, preacher. Yeah, we love you. You're making this up. No, I'm not. This, this, these are things that are said and then it's true until it isn't true. I don't know. I've been saved for quite a long time and I try to think back to when I was just saved and didn't know much. I just knew that I just knew that my religion and the works and penance and all wasn't going to save me. And so I trusted Christ. I knew that much and I was saved. But I try to think my mind back to when I was newly saved. And that still wasn't my definition of love. Love is supposed to be like Christ's love. We're supposed to think of others first. We're supposed to not have all of these requirements for love. And if there's one thing that the church needs, it's more love. Now when I say that, I have to qualify it because unfortunately today, words have been so redefined, good Bible preaching churches are accused of not having any love. Because love has typically been redefined and it lost its meaning. It's not defined as void of truth. Love, void of truth, is not love at all. It's a false love. This is common of churchianity today. And all of these McChurches, they just throw truth out the window along with any just good old-fashioned common biblical sense, it goes right out the window, and then just God loves everything, He loves everybody, He doesn't. if you're sinning that way, don't worry about it, God loves you, we're all going to be forgiven anyway. So I have to always qualify, because of the times that we live in, when you say we need more love, you risk someone assuming that you think we're going to walk in the streets with rainbow flags. <laughs> And we're not, because that's not love. Biblically, that's love redefined to fit what people have put in their wicked, messed up brains. So I'm not to love people 
and you are not to love people by saying that their sin is okay. All this does is confuse people. We do live, this world is very, very confused. People are scared to death. Being judgmental. Spaces are created for safety and Play-Doh sculpturing and crayon coloring for grown adults because they're afraid someone just judged them and now they're there is no need for any of this nonsense. We're to love people by giving them truth from a pure heart and a pure mind of Christ. You can't be scared of what people will say. If you don't have any spiritual confidence, you have to get some. And you can't be afraid to use good Biblical discernment when making a choice. We all have to be able to do that. With all of that said, the first thing Paul prays for is that your love may abound. Our love should abound. Well, I don't agree with Brother Jimmy on this. Is it really that important? Is it really that important? It matters to you that much that he doesn't put a Christmas tree up or he doesn't have a trunk or treat harvest festival? That matters that much? Let's disagree on it. Let's have a, a, a nice verbal exchange of words and let's do that after church or at somewhere and let's have a good time with that and let's hear each other out. And then let's just get back at it and let's get back after it and let's go win someone to the Lord and teach them about the truths. It matters that much to you? Gap fact versus gap theory? You want to always have to park on that? Things matter. But there are some things where you just have to draw the lens back and say, you know what? There's a lot of good stuff going on here. Let our love abound and let's just all give each other some space to room and to, to, to room to grow, room to breathe, room to disagree. I've been in churches, I didn't agree with everything the pastor preaches or the way things were played out or were let played out. But nothing is ever going to work 100% perfect like the 100% ideal that you have in your mind because all your conclusions are always spot on. <laughs> it's like the armchair quarterback. He knows every single thing that the coach should have called on the play and every single thing that the quarterback should have done except... He's never been hit by a 250-pound man and tackled. This world is confused. I saw a shirt this guy had. I don't know if you're supposed to say this from the pulpit or not. Maybe this is something that you'll have to disagree with me on. This guy had a shirt I saw over the weekend. It said, my wife is hot. And then when you got closer to it, in the front of it, it was psych and then ick at the end. So it really said, my wife is psychotic. 
<laughs> I thought that was hilarious. And his wife's walking right by him. As happy as all can be. Yeah, my wife's a psycho. <laughs> I thought that was the best thing I've seen all week. We, <laughs> people are confused. Philippians chapter number two. Philippians chapter number two. Let's go to verse number 15. That ye may be blameless and harmless and sinless. Oh wait, it doesn't say and sinless. Because blameless doesn't mean the same as sinless and harmless doesn't mean the same as sinless because none of us are going to be sinless. However, we should live our lives a blameless life, a harmless life. Look what we are, the sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. We must hold forth the word of life, which is God's word. God's word is where we find truth. Without truth, defining love, we don't have any influence. We got to define love truthfully if we want to have influence and be a light to this world. If we don't, you know what happens? The same thing that we all see happening all over, which is why someone like me gets a burden in their heart to really want to shine as a light as a local church and really allow the Lord to use a small group of people to just do something great. And people look at it, and sometimes you, you doubt yourself, say, this is just a pipe dream. This is ridiculous. People are just psychotic. But you know what happens? If we don't, we get the complaint that good Bible-believing Christians that really want to live for God always say, the world wins the church rather than the church winning the world. The world influences the church rather than the church influencing the world. We have so many more important battles to fight. Pick and choose the hills that you want to die on. Here's a hill that I'm willing to die on. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. So when I knock on somebody's door, that's what I'm starting with. I'm not starting with there's seven conspiracies in the Bible and did you know that the American government is against you and that George Bush was under the influence of Satan and he devised a way to blow up the Twin Towers and whatever that other stuff is, I'm not going to start with that and we shouldn't divide over it. No hope in the government. Me, this is what I hold. That's what I hold for. No hope in the government. Trust Jesus Christ. I have no hope in the Democratic Party. I don't know why any Christian would even consider that one. But I have no hope in the Republican Party either. Do I believe that Christians should be informed and should know what's going on politically and economically and financially? Yes. You might know more than I do. I might not know more than the other person does. And some other person may just be clueless and have his head in the air. Why divide over that? Why do we have to start fighting about that and just start with knocking on someone's door 
And if we find out that they're trusting in Donald Trump or George Bush or whoever political candidate that they're putting their faith and trust in, if that's what they're trusting in, okay, now let's break down some of those barriers and say, hey, you're trusting in that. I want you to, I want you to look at this. Here's what Christ did for me. We have to start with the gospel with a lost person. We can't start with this is the this is the deception that all Americans have to deal with. Well, if Satan is working through the American government, who was he working through before America had a government? How am I going to preach that in China? Did I say that like Trump? China. And if he is working solely through American government, why hasn't he chosen to work through communist China? Or Muslim Iraq? <laughs> it's the, you cannot take the gospel to the wrong address. Will it be the same gospel in the Philippines? Will it be the same gospel in Guyana? Will it be the same gospel in China? Will it be the same gospel in Japan? It's all going to be the same. Try preaching American government conspiracy to somebody in Guyana. Start with that. It has to be consistent. That's the gospel. Everybody, unity. Unity around the gospel and the proclamation of that to our community. Everybody should be free to come and free to believe whatever they want about American politics. They should. And they should have the freedom and liberty to talk about that amongst themselves and have strong opinions and strong convictions and different facts, all of that. But what are we going to start with? and unite around and rally around. It has to be the gospel. It has to be. All right, how do we do that? Well, I'll go back to verse 27 in chapter 1. Verse 27, um, in the middle of the verse, that you stand fast in one spirit. You know, short term, you can get along with people. Young people, when they get to an age where they, they think they're in love and they're really not, they're just, it's the first girl that gave them attention or it's the first guy that gave her attention. <coughs> or maybe they really are in love. A good thing for them to figure out is, are you going to be able to get along long term or is this just going to be you can get along short term? We have to stand fast in one spirit. If you stand fast in one spirit, people can get along for a long term. That's a real relationship. Short term, this is why people go to um, camp meetings. And this is why people go to Bible conferences. And this is why people go to shindigs. And this is why people go to uh, little, little, um, little retreats. It's short term. In two days it ends. In five days it ends. In two weeks, 
Camp is over. It ends. The relationships are short-term. Not in the local church. Long-term, we have to stand in one spirit. One spirit. One spirit. And here's how you know Everybody knows what the one spirit is. It's the Holy Spirit, right? It has to guide us. Yet people will say all, all the time, the Holy Spirit told me. But He told you something different and He told you something different and He told me something different and He told Joe down the street something different. Everybody has these different things that the Holy Spirit is telling them. How does the Holy Spirit... Speak to people. Apparently, in this day and age, he speaks. Whatever comes up in your head and your mind, that's what the Holy Spirit said. There has to be some unifying things. Look, I get it. Did the Holy Spirit lead me here? I get it. Yes. Did doors close and other doors opening? Yes. Did I try to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit? Yes. But look, if I'm not disobeying God's word, I'm following after God's will and following the leading of the Spirit. That's a common thing we can all agree on. When you're making stuff up, or you're disobeying God's Word, or you're just coming up with some stuff that's just so far off, and you say, well, God just told me. He didn't tell you. He didn't. He didn't say that. And you will be hard-pressed to convince anybody. Why? It's just easier to blame God. Look, that was God's will. Look, that the Holy Spirit told me. Okay, I can shake you against the wall for 30 minutes and try to convince you the Holy Spirit didn't tell you that. And that person is not going to be convinced otherwise because he's forced against his will. <laughs> he has to come up with it on his own. How do we get someone to come up with that on their own? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you work with new tradesmen all the time. They come in, they're going to do plumbing, and you say, hey, do you know how to do this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. And then you come back an hour later, and you realize they just said, I got it, because they know that that's what you want to hear so that you stop talking to them. <laughs> and then you come back, and you realize, no, the purple stuff goes on before the, the, the goopy glue. But he said, I got it. And you can shake him up against the wall for 30 minutes and try to explain to him, until he figures it out on his own and makes that dumb mistake, he isn't going to get it. We've all been there. <laughs> We've all been there. One mind, I'm sorry, stand fast in one spirit. Let's unite around clearly what the Holy Spirit is saying. We need a stronger bond for long-term relationships. Philippians 2, that's, this is what the bond is. Verse number 1, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercy, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. The strong bond is the Holy Spirit. Let's go to John 17. 
John 17. If we pursue our own agendas, we're sunk. We will destroy each other. We will hinder God's work. Instead, we should strive together. John 17, verse 21. That ye all may be one, as though Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. Well, I don't believe, Brother Jimmy, you said this and I don't agree. Well, who cares? <laughs> Let's be of one mind and strive together and proclaim the gospel. Let's start with that. Just so mean. No one is mean. If you get disagreement, nobody is mean. It's called life. It's called life. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 13. God help us. We should not become our worst enemy. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know what's worse than pride? Spiritual pride. You just spiritualize your pride. And we can remain caught up in that. We've got to strive together. We don't want to become our own worst enemy. Let's go back. Uh, let's go to Philippians again. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. We'll get back on some, uh, some really positive things here. Unity comes. From where? Verse number five. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took on the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. It's found by having the mind of Christ. This takes humility on our part, each and every one of us, because this is not about us. Finally, have no fear. Philippians chapter 1, go back to verse number 28. Look at this says, we all need to be prepared to fight. Remember, until someone gets saved, whether you knock on their door or give them a piece of paper or try to engage in them on a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you are bringing an unwelcomed spam message. They didn't ask for it and they don't want it. It's an unwelcome message until they get saved. Verse 28, And in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. We can't fear the unknown. 
We can either trust God or we can fear. We can either choose to strive together or we can fear. We can't do both. Christian faith is under attack in two ways. They either want us to silence our message, keep it in the church, or they want us to change our message. They don't want it going out. We can't be terrified. We, we need to be bold. And finally, after the finally, what are you looking for? What is your purpose? When the issue becomes souls, we can strive together. And everybody's little pet doctrine becomes insignificant. People find what they're looking for. If they're looking to just hear where the disagreement is so they can make it a spiritual complaint and a reason to leave, they will find that. People are looking to learn and to grow and to rally around and have some unity around some common things. Where are we going to go evangelize this week? What opportunities did God open up for you this week during your work week or, your, or, or throughout your week to talk to somebody about Jesus Christ? Who did you witness to this week? Who did you witness to last month? Unity. Unity. I'm not saying all we should do is witness and that it that is it. But what I am saying, we should at least be able to unite around that and rally around that. If we can't unite around the gospel, we have got an I am of Paul, I am of Silas problem. Let's start with that. Let's build with that. The unity around proclamation of the gospel. All right, let's bow and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the warning in 1 Corinthians. Thank you for the example in Philippians. Help us to be a church that's united, that can strive together, have one mind, one spirit. Lord, just help us to love correctly and be able to define it rightly. Help us to give people time to learn and to grow. Help us to be able to agree to disagree on some things, but still love one another and grow and get the gospel out to our lost and dying world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.